I say it's good to be here this evening or this afternoon. It's good to see the presence of all that are here. We have a good crowd this Sunday afternoon. This afternoon, I want to talk just a little bit on the power of one. And I know as early as we can begin to talk, we learned that one means one, right? And uh, sometimes one it has a bigger concept than just a single individual. And I believe the Bible teaches us there was power in oneness is basically what we're talking about. And that's the unity that Christ wants us to have in Christ Jesus. And there's power in that oneness, being unified in the cause of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husband, you, uh, husbandry, you are God's building. And so here he mentions the principle or the precept of being laborers together with God. And so we are unified with God. We are laborers with him in his kingdom. A lot of times we think about being one or laboring in the kingdom as individuality. In other words, I'm laboring in the kingdom and it's all about uh, the work that I do, and it seems like nobody else is pulling the wagon, and, and, and we think of oneness in that way. When actually the unity or oneness that God wants is all of us unified, pulling the same direction or pulling together in his cares, our laborers together with God. And I think that's a wonderful statement, the fact that we are laborers with God in his kingdom. And so we kind of want to mention a few things about this evening. We're going, to, uh, we're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There'll be some other verses, but I think this, this principle is the principle that Jesus prayed for when he prayed for unity uh, among his people. In John 17, verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, or his apostles, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And here we are, 2,000 years labor, later, having believed on their word. We have taken that gospel that's been passed down to us, and we have believed on, the, on him through their word. And so this is referring to us also, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And so this unity that Jesus prayed for had a, desire, a desired conclusion or a desired ending, and that is that people would believe on Jesus Christ. And so that's the result that's desired of Jesus out of this unity. And he goes on to say in verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Now the word perfect there, and a lot of times we understand the word to be complete, not flawless as we would use the word in modern day language. We would talk about something that's perfect having no flaws. But here it means complete and more specifically complete in that we are equipped to carry out or accomplish a mission. And so what Jesus is saying, together we are complete. We are equipped to carry out 
the mission of Jesus Christ to the world. And you can refer back to Ephesians chapter 4 where he talks about, and he gave some apostles and prophets and, and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting or equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so this equipping here or being made perfect in one, the fact that we're unified and we all have different talents and abilities and influences, but yet we're working together as one unit for the cause of Jesus Christ we are equipped to carry out that mission as one unit. Now, there are a lot of areas that I may have a weakness in that influencing certain people or having uh, influence with them or maybe carrying out a certain duty in the church, and I may have a weakness in that area, but some of the other brethren may have that strength. And so together we make a unified body carrying out the mission of Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus said as we finish the verse here. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So it's all about Jesus Christ. Our work in the Lord, this laborer being a laborer with God in the kingdom, is so that people will know about Jesus Christ and that God loves them through Jesus Christ. And so we're laborers together in this kingdom with God and each other. We're unified carrying out this mission that Jesus has given us. But sometimes our individually, our individuality, our oneness as in individuality comes into interference in the mission. And sometimes we think of ourselves as more important to the mission than being unified with each other. And that's what Paul tells the church at Corinthians in verse 3 and 4. He says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? There was division in the church at Corinth. And I say division, there's strife and division and envyings, but in this sense, some people thought they were more important than others. And some of that was based upon who may, they were converted by. You know, if Apostle Paul had preached to you and you'd obeyed the gospel and you, you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and someone says, well, you know, there was this man over here preaching the gospel and his name was uh, Peter and uh, I was converted by him and he's more important than Paul. And we began to divvy up on who's more important, Peter or Paul. There becomes a problem in the church. And we forget that it's not about who converted us. It's about a mission that Jesus sends us forth to do. And that is to share him with the world. And so they were dividing up, thinking they were, some were more important in the church than other people were. You know, I th thought about examples that we we use from time to time. Sometimes we might use horses pulling a wagon. There's not many of us have seen, you know, been around horses that pulled wagons if, unless you're watching Westerns on TV, which I, which I do. But, uh, <laughs> but a more, more relevant example might be a football team. And I played football in high school, and I, you know, sometimes a quarterback could get a little bit 
big in the head where his helmet might not fit real good, and he would think he was the most important person on the team. And I'm sure that everybody on a team gets to thinking that from time to time. You know, if the sinner thinks he's the most important person on the team, we've got a problem. But sometimes people think, without me, this team wouldn't make it. And a quarterback thinks that sometimes, or might think that sometimes, and when he does, he understands that he's not when the line doesn't block. If they let the defense through and they, they tackle him or sack him behind the line, he understands that he's not the most important. Without everybody working together and playing as one, the team doesn't win. And we can probably name a few teams uh, that we watch that are like that. But a football team has to play as one. They have to be unified. The quarterback and, and the receiver and the center has to snap the ball at the correct time and the tackles and and guards have to block, and so on and so forth. And if they don't do this, then the team doesn't win. And we are laborers together in the kingdom. None of us are more important or uh, less important than the other. We need to be working together for this cause of Christ. And because of this envying and strife, divisions, the church wasn't making the impact that Jesus wanted them to have in the world. What they needed to understand was that these men who they were arguing or dividing over were just laborers in the kingdom. They were simply servants in the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 5 through 7, who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God hath giveth the increase. And so the question is kind of rhetorical. Well, who is Paul and who is, what makes them so important? When we understand who they really are, they, their importance is just that they're one in the kingdom with us together. They were simply men who were teaching the gospel they were the men who converted them or taught them about the Lord. They were simply servants of God. And if you're working in the kingdom of God, if you're doing what you are tasked to do in the kingdom of God, you're not more important than anyone else. You're not less important than anyone else. You're simply part of the kingdom, working together with other brothers and sisters in Christ to carry out the mission that God has given for us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 17, he goes on, according to the grace of God, which giveth unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon the found, this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, hay, wood, or wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. 
Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now then, there are several principles laid out here as Paul instructs the church at Corinth. And he talks about building upon this foundation, which is Jesus Christ. There is a sure foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. And the church is built upon that foundation. But there are many people building on that foundation. In other words, I go out and I uh, study with someone or convert someone, and they are added to the kingdom. And you go out and you study with someone or you bring someone to the Lord, you have added to that building also. We all are working in the kingdom to build this church or the church or the kingdom of God. And we add people to this kingdom. And so he says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. In other words, every individual needs to be concerned about your own work. Most of the time, when divisions and strife happens, it's because we're concerned about somebody else's work. In other words, that brother or that sister's not doing anything. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so the question really needs is, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you taking heed on how you're building on this, king, on this foundation? You see, we're workers together in the kingdom of God. As one, we're working together. You have a part in the kingdom of God, and I have a part in the kingdom of God in building it. Just like Paul said, we've laid the, the foundation is laid, Jesus Christ, and we build upon that foundation. And so he says, let every man take heed how he buildeth on this foundation. He says in verse 13, let me back up there, verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. In other words, if you're concerned about someone else's work in the kingdom of God, you need to think about your work because your work will be made manifest. In other words, it's going to come to light. You're not going to be able to hide behind the crowd and say, well, you know, brother so-and-so didn't do what he was supposed to do and, and sister didn't do what she was supposed to do and you just, you know, point out the wrong in everybody else. He says, take heed to your own work because your work will be made manifest. It's going to come to light, for the day shall declare it. That's the light. The light is going to reveal your work because it shall be revealed by fire. It's going to be tried, is what he's saying. Your work's going to be tried. So we all have a responsibility in the kingdom of God to work together to build in this kingdom. Now then, I want to notice in verse 15, he shall, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. This verse, to me, for a long time, was a worrisome verse. And for many years, I thought about this, and I thought about people that I had talked to, and some that had been converted, and some that had fallen away and wondered how all that plays within this work. And, you know, a lot of times you, you may study with someone and they may they obey the gospel and then they fall away and you feel like, well, you've wasted your time. And, 
You really haven't wasted your time. You've suffered loss. That's what you, ha- that's what you have. You've suffered loss. And that's what the Scripture teaches us. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now then, there are a lot of people that I've studied with over the years, and they've followed Jesus Christ for a while, and then they fall away. And I think to myself, you know, I spent a lot of time and a lot of effort on those people, and and I've just wasted that time. I didn't waste time. Anytime you bring someone to the Lord, you didn't waste time. They have to make a, a personal decision and a personal commitment to stay with the Lord. That's That's their part in this work. But I suffered loss. It hurt when they left. But it says, he himself shall be saved, so yet so as by fire. In other words, I'm not going to be lost because they left. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep adding to the Lord's kingdom. (coughs) I'm going to keep teaching Jesus Christ. There's going to be some loss along the way. But I myself am going to keep working. I'm going to be tried by fire. My work is going to be tried. And some of it's going to stand and some of it's not. So let's talk about this work that would be burned. You know, there's a product of our work. And the product is other Christians. That's, our, that's the product of our work. We go out and spread the gospel. Jesus Pray that we would be one and that the world would know that he came and that God loved the world. And so our product is other Christians. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1, Paul told the church at Corinth, are you not my work in the Lord? So as he converted people, as people were added to the church there, he says, y'all, you are my work. You're the product of my teaching the gospel. And that's the product of our teaching the gospel, or our work is other people into the kingdom of God. But there's going to be two kinds of this work. There's going to be the kind that abides and the kind that burns. Abiding means there's some that are going to stay, some that are going to grow in the Lord, some that are going to be faithful to the Lord, and there's some that's going to fall away. That's those that are going to be burned. You see, our work's going to be tried as of by fire. In other words, it's going to be put through this this furnace, and there's either something going to come out on the other side or it's going to disintegrate. Every one of us are going to be tried by fire. And we're either going to abide with the Lord or we're going to fall away because we're somebody else's work. Someone brought us to the point where we're at today. And so we need to discern what kind of work we are. Now, the Bible refers to these elements, if you will, to people or individuals. Zechariah 13, verse 9, it says, I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried. They shall come on... uh, Call on my name, and I will hear them, and will say, "Is this, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. So he's basically referring to these people, the children of Israel here, as silver and gold. Now, what happens uh, with silver and gold when they dig the ore, they put it through a refining fire. And all the slag is taken off, and then finally, it's poured into molds, and it comes out pure silver 
and pure gold. So it comes out better through the fire than it does before it went in. And he refers to people like that. You and I are like that. We're going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our impurities, and we're going to be put through the, the refining fire, and we're going to come out pure at the end of the fire than we, what we went in because we're being refined. We're, we're being made better. We're being made pure. And so hopefully all of us that are sitting here today will come out better, that we're not going to be the part that's burned up. Precious stones. You see, the church is referred to as precious, lively stones. In 1 Peter 2, verse 5, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so the church is made of people, and these people are referred to as either gold and silver or precious stones or... Sometimes we're referred to as wood and hay and stubble. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He's referring to people. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. And so here he refers to the people that make up the Lord's house are either going to be referred to as gold and silver or this wood and earth that's dishonorable or the, the silver and gold that's honorable. There's, the Lord's house is made up of many people. There may be someone that comes to the Lord tomorrow that comes into this, uh, to this uh, particular body of Christ and in two or three years may fall away and go back out into the world. And they're counted as this wood or this earth that's dishonorable because they've been tried through the fire and they didn't withstand. And hopefully as we are tried in this world, as we go through this life, we're refined and we're made better and we're not as this wood and hay and stubble. Notice in James chapter 1, verse 8 through 12, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is sooner risen, no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof faileth, and the grace of the fashion of it persisteth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways." And so we can see there are some people that are going to fade away. That doesn't mean all that are rich are going to fade away. He's talking about a double-minded man here in this particular passage. In other words, a man that wants to be still the blessings of the world and the blessings of God. I want God to bless me, but I want to live in the world too. And you can't have it both ways. That's a double-minded man. He's unstable. He can't make a decision that, and stick with it. He's going to go with what's going to benefit him, whether it's I'm going, to, I'm going to go to the Lord today because he'll benefit me. I'm going to go to the world tomorrow because he'll benefit, it'll benefit me. But he's known as hay here. Hay, the grass of the field, it burns away. It goes up quick 
especially, you know, we talk about high wind days and the weatherman will talk about red flag days. And we understand that this tall grass or this hay will go, go burn quickly. <coughs> the stubble, Isaiah 5, verse 24. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their roots shall be as rottenness and their blossoms shall go up as the dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And this is so true today. You know, I, I, I don't guess they do that so much around here, uh, but certain part of the countries, they'll burn a field off. And you probably, you know, years ago, you saw that a lot. You'd see smoke on the horizon and somebody said, well, they're burning the field off. And that's the stubble that's left, and they'd burn that off. And it just goes quick. It's like, you know, the chaff, it, it, it burns quickly. And here he's talking about uh, a, a person that puts away the law of the Lord, that we don't pay attention to what God wants us to do. When we're not reading our Bibles and studying and meditating on his word, then we're putting away or casting away the law of the, the Lord of hosts. And he says, we're going to be like that if we do that. Someone asked me one time, well, how is it that people fall away so easy from the Lord? Well, most of the time, you can ask a person that's done that. Someone out that's fallen away from the Lord, that, that's not coming to church anymore, and it's not serving God, and you say, are you reading your Bible? The answer is usually no. I've known people that I've studied with and converted, and they're on fire for the Lord, and they're in the Word every day. I'll say, you know, you need to read this, this book and this chapter and this, give them homework, and they're reading and studying, and their life is going well, and they're on fire for the Lord, and then all of a sudden, they're gone, and you don't see them for weeks at a time, you don't hear from them, and, and, and then you say, did you stop reading your Bible? And they'll say, when we put away the law of the Lord, then we're going to be like this stubble. We're just, going to, we're just going to go with the way of the world. It's going to be so easy for us to get caught back up in the things that we came out of. In verse 15, he says, he in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he himself shall be saved. That's the worker that's doing the work. You may convert 15 people in your lifetime or 100 or 200 and there are going to be some that fall away and some that you're going to weep about at night and some you're going to sit up in bed and go, I just don't know what happened and, and they're out in, back into the world again and you're going to suffer loss. But if you're working, you're going to be, you yourself are going to be saved. The builder, the worker, even though he may lose some of the work, we can still be faithful and be saved. Just because someone falls away doesn't mean we need to quit. What it means is we need to keep going. We need to find someone else to talk to. We need to continue to promote the message of Jesus Christ. So as yet by fire, so you may be a worker, a builder in the kingdom of God. You may have taught the word of God to others. You may baptize people. You may encourage others, to, rem but remember, you are someone else's work. This is where it really hits home. We talk about the work that we do, the work that we go out, and the people that we visit, and the people we study with, and what we need to remember 
is that we are someone else's work. You see, someone else taught us the gospel. Someone else brought us to church on a regular basis when we were young. Someone else studied the Bible with us at night. Someone else encouraged us to be faithful to the Lord. We are someone else's work. And that ought to make us to think about where we are in the kingdom. Am I hay? Am I wood? Am I stubble? Or am I the silver and gold that's being refined and I'm going to be made better in the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm doing uh, more in the kingdom of God. I'm working and sowing the seed of the kingdom. Remember, you're someone else's work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. And so he's referring back to their wisdom that they, they thought was wisdom, that was being carnal. You know, sometimes what we think is wisdom is foolishness. Especially if I think I'm the most important person in the kingdom of God, that I'm doing the, the hardest work, and that without, the, without me, the kingdom won't exist. That's foolishness. That's me being carnal-minded. The church has been in existence for 2,000 years, and I'm sure that it'll be in existence if it's the Lord's will after I die. I'm just a worker in the kingdom of God, just like Paul, just like Apollos. And I need to work in the kingdom of God. I need to do my part in that kingdom as we work together to promote Jesus Christ in the world. And so our wisdom sometimes is foolishness. And if we think we're wise, we need to step down just a little bit and we need to take a re-look at our wisdom. In verse 22 and 23, he says, Therefore let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. So when we think about the foolishness of these, these Corinthians, when they said, I'm of Paul, and some said, I'm of Apollos, they were separating or, or diluting their resources. Because one says, well, I'm of Apollos, and, and he's the most important, and he's the best teacher, and, and in doing that, I'm separating myself from Paul. Or if I'm converted to Paul, I may think of Paul as the greatest teacher there is, and go, you know, I, he's, he's important in the kingdom, and as long as I've got him, I don't need Apollos. Well, when I do that, I dilute my resources in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Now, the wisdom of God says, don't glory in these men, for all things are yours. What does that mean? Well, to these Corinthians, it meant that not only was Paul theirs, but Apollos was theirs too. You see, they had multiple resources. They don't have to divide themselves. 
it, it works together for all of them. We've got a lot of good teachers. They're not, they're not desiring for particular followers. These teachers are for everyone to learn. They're resources for every one of us so that we are equipped to teach the gospel of Christ to the world. And so all things are yours, whether Paul, whether Apollos, whether Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, things to come, all are yours. So take advantage of the things that you have in the kingdom of God. Don't just say, well, I'm just going to follow this teacher or this teacher. You know, one of the most wonderful things I believe that I found in the kingdom of God over the years is the ability to pick different people's brains on the wisdom of God. There are things in the, in the scripture that, that I, I might be confused about. Well, I have the opportunity to ask anyone here what they think about that passage of scripture or how they interpret it or what it means to them. And I can use that information to gain in my life. So all of you are like this verse says, for all things are yours. So don't be surprised if I ask you a question, what you believe or, or what, you, what you believe a verse means. Because if I do, I'm, I'm seeking information. I'm seeking information. That's what we need to be doing is seeking information and all of us working together and helping each other to grow in the kingdom of God as one unit. So how did you get where you are? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 8. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Now you're a fool, now you're rich, now you have reigned as kings without us, and I would to God you did reign that we also might reign with you. Now in the kingdom of God, we reign with Jesus Christ. He's a king, and we are in his kingdom, and we reign with him in this kingdom. Now the question is, what makes you differ from another? The knowledge that you have in the kingdom of God about Jesus Christ, did you just one day wake up with that knowledge? Or did someone help you? Did God give you that wisdom? Did someone else in the kingdom of God help you or steer you in that direction? <clears throat> That's what he's talking about. What hast thou that thou did not receive? I can tell you today that most of the knowledge that I have of the Scriptures I received from someone else or at least was pointed in the right direction to study. They would say, look at it in this light or with a reference to a different passage or have you ever thought about it this way? Or, and I would take those things and I would meditate on them and God give me the wisdom. So everything that I have in the kingdom, God has given so I've received it, and I am full in the kingdom of God. I am completely equipped in this unit of the church to go out and share the will of God and reign in Christ's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 9, it says, For I thank God 
that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our hands being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as filth of the world and are offscouring of all things unto this day. Now I want you to think about this passage for a moment. When we think about the Apostle Paul, we think about this great preacher, this person who was important in the kingdom of God. When we think about Peter, we think about him getting up on the day of Pentecost with the 11 and preaching the gospel sermon to those people in Jerusalem. And then we read about Peter all through the New Testament, how great a man he was. You know what they thought? Just what Paul said here. We were appointed to death for preaching the gospel. We are made a spectacle to the world. They're laughing at us. And to angels and to men, we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise. You've been given knowledge and understanding. We are fools for Christ's sake, and you're wise in Christ. We are weak, but you're strong. You are honorable, but we're despised. And he says, he goes on to say, to this present hour, this is Apostle Paul, we hunger, we thirst, we're naked, we're buffeted, have no certain dwelling place, and labor working with our hands, being reviled. Now then, his idea of working in the kingdom is probably different than our idea of him working in the kingdom. We think Paul went around and just people just bowed down to his wisdom and his words and, and how wonderful it is that Paul came by to see us. We are so honored. And yet Paul saying, we, we struggled. We were despised. People made fun of us. They, they hit us and persecuted us. We don't even have a house to dwell in. And here we are for the same cause We have all of Paul's wisdom as he wrote down so that we can understand the mystery of Jesus Christ. We have a place to lay our head. We have food to eat. I don't know of any of us that have been beaten for our belief in Jesus Christ. And yet Paul was. The things that we have in the kingdom have been given to us. And we need to take those things that have been given to us and we need to use them for the glory of God. We need to carry that message to the world. So our call to action is this, as Jesus told us earlier, to let the world know about him. In verse 19 through 20 there, it says, but I will come to you shortly if the the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now, Paul says this. I'm going to come to you, the church at Corinth. And he says basically this. 
What's going to show is the power. Not the words, but the power. You can say, I'm faithful to the Lord all day long. You can say, I'm dedicated to the Lord all day long. But words and power are different. We've heard this phrase, and it's actions speak louder than words. That's what it means. Actions speak louder than words. You can say, I'm faithful to the Lord all day long, but if your actions doesn't prove, they're false words. So if we're going to say we're working together in the kingdom of God, we need to be about the business of working in the kingdom. We need to be telling people, our neighbors, our friends. We need to be inviting people. We need to be living such a way that people are attracted to Jesus Christ. It gives us opportunity to teach them the gospel and lead them in the right direction. That's the power, the power of the kingdom is to set the world on fire for the Lord. That's our call to action this afternoon. If you're not in the kingdom of God, you have access in the kingdom to all things that God wants you to know. You've got his word, his will, his Holy Spirit. You've got those teachers, apostles, prophets that come before us to know his will, teachers in the church, pastors, all that will equip you working together in the kingdom of God. But if you're not in the kingdom, you don't have that. And so this afternoon, we want to invite you to be a part of the kingdom of God and reign with him on the earth in the kingdom. And you can do that through obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you can reign with Christ, having access to all of his spiritual blessings if you're a child of God and you need the prayers of the church this afternoon, we invite you too to come as we stand and sing.